Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Have you caught a dose of FCS fever? Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Now, here's your host of the FCS Fever Podcast, Jeff Colhane. All right, let's fire it up. Let's get it going. Another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. It's great to have you with us once again. Another weekend of exciting action around the country in FCS college football. And, and you know, the slate on paper not as sexy as last weekend but that's when you get some of these sleepy matchups and somebody might sneak up on a favorite cause some problems and cause a ripple effect around fcs college football on this edition of the fcs fever podcast of course we're going to preview the weekend take a look at some of the big games there's a big one on friday night in the big sky you know some say it's a must win for weber state i'm not necessarily cut from that cloth in that conversation but it is a nationally televised game on espnu you've got uh, brent vegan and his montana state bobcats team great rushing offense heading down to ogden to take on this weber state wildcats bunch that's a little bit wounded some injuries some players coming and going some say it's a must win we'll get into that i'm not quite sure uh, if it is overall uh, some other big games in the Big South, also in the SoCon, we'll take a look at Incarnate Word with the big home game in the Southland as they look to distance themselves from the Nichols Colonels and plenty more uh, happening on the show. And with uh, the slate of games that we have, we thought we would take a look out to the East Coast. I- I've got a fascination with the Ivy League. It is a conference that does not participate in the bracket it's a conference that is the one of the long-standing uh, college football leagues. One of the long-standing, as far as wh- you know, which program started college football. The schools from the Ivy League on the East Coast are uh, some of the uh, the oldest out there that have played the sport of college football. Scott Cordishy is the play-by-play man for the Brown University Bears and knows the league inside and out. We are going to get into. Uh, the matchup, some of the history, the tradition. Will the Ivy League ever be a part of the FCS college football playoff? We'll get to Scott's thoughts on that. He uh, a little teaser, don't hold your breath is what he's going to tell you. But uh, we'll uh, talk about how that's viewed amongst the football teams in the Ivy League as we roll along here on the pod. All right, so from last weekend, you know, we talk about ripple effects. What are they with the upsets around the top tier of the FCS? South Dakota State losing at home. By the way, keep an eye on the Jackrabbits. A little bit banged up right now. 
on the defensive side of the football. They play Western Illinois this weekend in Macomb. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a game SDSU is going to lose. But down the road, watch the injury report for South Dakota State. They look to continue to get healthy. Again, they've lost some key pieces on the defensive side of the football. Hope to be getting some of those uh, pieces back. James Madison, how do they rebound? They've got a rivalry game at Richmond on Saturday. I think JMU is going to be fine. But how do they bounce back after their 19-game home winning streak was snapped last week by Villanova playing a rivalry game on the road uh, against Russ Huseman and the Richmond Spiders? So uh, a game to watch in the CAA out east. Uh, there's no question about that. You know, UC Davis, that was a shocker in Pocatello. Uh, that loss, uh, I think you look at uh, FBS wins, how they could possibly, to a certain extent, negate a loss in conference play, I don't know if that one is as forgivable as maybe another against a better team. Idaho State got UC Davis at Holt Arena last weekend. So there's a few of the upsets of the top tier around FCS college football. Teams suffering their first losses and dropping from the land of the unbeatens. And then you look ahead to how it all connects down the road. And I've said it before, folks, and I'll say it again. It's a big talking point. And we had Craig Haley on our local show here in Fargo on uh, on Bison 1660. Sam Houston is going to finish 10-0. They're playing one less game to to help out with player safety. Uh, Casey Keeler talked about that in the postseason last spring and uh, discussed it from a standpoint of, you know, we know we or they're hoping to play a, uh, a, a lengthy spring slate. They did. They beat South Dakota State in Frisco on May 16th for the national championship in the spring season. So they remove one game. So they only, they're only playing 10. Everybody else is playing 11. One less data point, as you hear so many times that uh, term used in the college football playoff discussion uh, at the FBS level with the 14 playoff. said it before, I'll say it again. Sam Houston is going to finish 10-0, and 0, and they're going to get a top two seed. And a lot of people out there are, are not happy about that outside of Huntsville or South Texas because, to their point... They've got a beef. Sam Houston's resume is not going to be the best resume or one of the best two resumes in all of the FCS. This whack A-Sun AQ7 this year is going to fall flat a little bit. Uh, Central Arkansas, not as good. They could turn things around and be a playoff team. They've struggled out of the gates. Jacksonville State has completely fallen apart since that win at Florida State on the last play of the game, which we uh, talked about and uh, and gave attention to on the FCS Fever podcast, and really nobody else ha- has has come forward right uh, in that in that league. So Sam Houston will finish ten and zero. The remaining schedule is not tough. They've gotten through the teeth of it, if you want to call it that, already early on, and they're going to get a top two seed. It's going to drive people crazy. It's going to drive fans of NDSU, SDSU, Eastern Washington, James Madison, Montana, Montana State. Should I keep going? Southern Illinois, Villanova. It's going to drive them crazy because you're going to see potentially three unbeatens. And, you know, you look at Eastern Washington, NDSU, if they run the table, they got a tough one at South Dakota State. And you're going to look at it and go, wait a minute. We look at our resume. It's better. We've got better wins than Sam Houston. Eastern Washington, better wins than Sam Houston. But I'm telling you, now with the national championship in the springtime, the uh, the Bearcats have a little bit of clout. And 
as as Craig Haley talked about from uh, Stats Perform and TheAnalyst.com. Appreciate his work nationally. There, there is something to do with the brand of your program that factors into what the committee thinks and how you are rated. It's not all about just your resume. And like it or not, I agree. That is how the committee has shown their blueprint. That's been the path to a top two seed for a lot of these programs in the years past. So when you have the losses by South Dakota State, uh, by James Madison, by UC Davis, uh, when you have those L's, it's going to make that uh, margin for error a lot slimmer than what you originally thought when Sam Houston, who should finish 10-0, and is pretty much locked in and secured to a top two seed overall. Two, two scenarios that are going to be fascinating. Who gets left out if there are three unbeatens with Sam Houston, Eastern Washington, and NDSU? Who gets left out? Just ask the Bison how important home field advantage is in the playoffs. In all eight national championship seasons, NDSU played every game leading to Frisco at home in the Fargo Dome. It's a big deal. It's absolutely a big deal. Now, what about this scenario? What if all these unbeatens end up with one loss outside of Sam Houston? Then they're obviously the one seed, but Eastern loses a game. South Dakota State beats North Dakota State in Brookings November 6th, and SDSU runs the table. How about Montana, Montana State? One of those two teams, you know, they run the table, and obviously one's got to win the Cat-Grizz game, the Brawl of the Wild at the end of the year. That's a one-loss team uh, you're looking at there, obviously. Southern Illinois, James Madison, Villanova. Another interesting question, ETSU, if they go unbeaten, they're currently 10th in the polls right now, first time in the top 10 since 1997. Are they going to vault over all these one-loss teams? It's fascinating and going to be a fun talking point uh, as we continue to dive into conference play and we get closer and closer with this uh, setup around FCS college football. All right, what are some of the games? Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Montana State's at Weber State. That's a Friday night kick at Ogden, Utah, Stewart Stadium, 9 p.m. Central Time. Look, I don't believe this is a must-win game for Weber State. They go to Eastern Washington next week. I believe... If, if Weber loses at home to Montana State and somehow were to upset Eastern Washington, Weber gets in at 7-4. and four. They've got a, an FBS loss to Utah. They've played as tough of a schedule, maybe the toughest in the country right now, with Utah, James Madison, UC Davis, Montana State, and Eastern Washington. That's as tough as it gets of any resume out there. I think Weber can still lose this one, and if they win at Eastern and run the table and finish 7-4, and four, I believe they get an at-large bid into uh, the FCS playoffs. How about Incarnate Word? We talked about the Southland being a three-horse race last weekend. Well, one of those horses took an L. Nichols, now two and three. They're at Incarnate Word, four and one. It's a chance for the Word to uh, to distance themselves. A home game for Incarnate Word. Uh, and their quarterback, Cam Ward, is putting up big numbers, throwing for over 1,600 yards, 16 touchdowns, and three interceptions. A chance for Incarnate Word to distance themselves from Nichols in that funky scheduling they have in some of these leagues with COVID and uh, having a tough time getting uh, non-conference matchups. So a chance for the word to distance themselves. We mentioned ETSU. They are at 6-0. and They play Chattanooga and SOCOM play, who is 2-3. and 
The Buccaneers are 3-0 and in the league. The Mocs are 1-1. One and one. This is a, a game at Finley Stadium, Davenport Field, where, um, you know, it's kind of a mental hurdle for ETSU. Chattanooga, in-state matchup. They have got more history and tradition than the Bucks do, but ETSU is the better football team. Can ETSU get over that mental hurdle, keep playing great football, and, uh, and take on uh, a Chattanooga team on the road uh, and take care of business overall? That's the question I have with this game. Again, sometimes you've got history with the program, with the team. You haven't had as much success. Uh, you're trying to maybe pass the torch in the league to a certain degree. ETSU, Chattanooga, even though Chat hasn't been great in, in recent years, can ETSU get over that mental hurdle and uh, and move things forward? Just a few of the games here early on the pod, keeping my eye on. Some other matches we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. Well, we mentioned earlier in the podcast, there are six unbeaten teams in FCS college football. Three of them are in the Ivy League, and there's good football played in the Ivies. You see pros every year out of the Ivy League. And it's one thing, and I'm going to get to it with our next guest. We've talked about it before. He and I would love to see the Ivies in the bracket in the FCS playoffs because I think, uh, depending on the year, the Ivy League would have a say in how this thing would shake out. It's great to have with us on the FCS Fever podcast. Scott Cordishi is the play-by-play voice at Brown University and knows the Ivy League inside and out. Scott, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, great to have you with us, and I'm sure you guys are beyond fired up to having football back in the fall out along the East Coast. Oh, absolutely, positively. Thanks for having me. And uh, by the way, don't hold your breath on having the Ivy League champion in the FCF playoffs. I mean, I've been oh. banging that drum for years, but the league probably isn't going to change its stance on it. But you are right. After uh, pretty much 18 months with no sports in the Ivy League, to have fall sports and in particular football back, it is outstanding. Well, let's not bury the lead then. Let's just start there. Um, take us into the thought process, the mindset. When you and I, I, I've talked in the past, Scott, you've said to a man, coach, player, broadcaster, they're in. They love to be in the FCS playoffs. What is the the hold back and and do you never you know you never say never but is it essentially never with with the Ivies in this conversation? Well, I mean, it, to date that's been the case. I can tell you that you're right. To a man, all of the head coaches in this league would love to have their champion represented in the FCS playoffs. I've heard a number of different arguments uh, regarding this. Why doesn't the league do this? Well, because the FCF playoffs, you know, they stretch into December and, you know, this would conflict with exam periods in Ivy League schools and academics come first here, as we all know. So I think that's probably the biggest reason. You know, there's the conspiracy theorists, maybe those that think that Harvard and Yale thumb their nose at the rest of the league. And, you know, their mindset is, well, why would we want to play an FCS playoff game in front of 10,000 fans after we played the game to finish the season in front of 60,000? fans. So, you know, depending upon who you ask, you'll get a different answer. I think it's more likely the former. And I just think that, you know, from an academic standpoint, uh, they don't want to do it because it would conflict with exams. But here's the thing. Here's the rub. It's the only Ivy League sport that is not allowed to participate in an NCAA or any type of yeah. playoff. So, you know, those other school, those other, you know, uh, sports, uh, particularly the spring ones, you know, they might be missing some class time due to exams. You know, there's ways to work around this and get it done. 
but for some reason they've just chosen not to, to do it. Maybe just have all the football teams just boycott the exams. That'd be smart, right? I mean, that's from a non-Ivy League <laughs> sure. guy right there. That's really going to go far, Scott. That's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, Why not? Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Hey, you bring up and you lead me into my next question. Um, the rivalries in this league. I mean, this these programs started college football, right? Some of the first college football games ever played and the venues and the history. You mentioned Yale, Harvard, and what that – that brings to the table. Um, just go into it with me from if you can, and and the, the rivalries and the matchups, what they mean to these programs and to the alums uh, that uh, that frequent these campuses. Well, you know, there's a reason they call it the ancient eight because you're talking about you know eight old schools that have been long and well established in this country, not just for academic reasons, but for athletic reasons as well. And football has been a big part of the history of all eight Ivy League schools. As a matter of fact, I don't think a lot of people know this, but the Ivy League charter, and the Ivy League actually was created in the 50s as an athletic conference in 1954, Mm -hmm. but the Ivy League charter states that in order to be a member of the Ivy League, you have to play the sport of football. So as much as we talk about the Ivy League and we relate it to great academics, which obviously it has, uh, it was founded on the sport of football. And and it's in the charter still today that to be a member of the Ivy League, you have to play the sport of football. That's awesome. That's beyond awesome. Uh, Scott Cordishi with us. Brown University play-by-play man knows the Ivy League inside and out. Talking about that with us on the FCS uh, Fever podcast. Um, Venues that you appreciate the most. I'm sure you appreciate all of them and probably have, obviously, a lean to to what you have at Brown. But um, the Yale Bowl, some of the other places you go around the league, I would guess you walk into a lot of these places, you feel the nostalgia and the the history dripping off of them right away? No question. I would say the two that you feel that at the most today would be Franklin Field in Philadelphia, which is home of the Penn Quakers and the Penn Relays. And then the other one would be Harvard Stadium up in Boston. I think that is just, uh, you almost feel like you're walking into the Roman Coliseum. Uh, You really feel like you're stepping back in time. Some other schools had some old stadiums that they knocked down and built new ones. Princeton's new stadium is beautiful. I mean, it it should be the model for all FCF schools. Uh, It it holds about maybe twenty-seven to 30,000 fans, but when you walk into it, it feels and it looks big time. And they they just did a marvelous job of building that facility. So you're right, the Yale Bowl is another one that has great history. For a while there, the Yale Bowl got awful tired, and in recent years, they've given it a little bit of a facelift in terms of you know throwing a coat of paint here, resurfacing some of the concrete, and I think most importantly, putting down field turf, because for years, you know, they had a grass surface there, and look, I'm a big proponent of natural grass. I broke my ankle in college on AstroTurf, <laughs> but, um, but to be honest with you, I mean, the, the that that grass field had outlived its existence, and uh, you know the field turf looks beautiful at the Oval. Yeah, absolutely. Scott Cordishi with us. Three teams, as we mentioned earlier, uh, unbeaten uh, of, of Ivy League squads here so far this season. You got Princeton, who you're going to see at your place this weekend. Dartmouth as well. They step out of league and play New Hampshire, and then you have Harvard, who also steps out of league. They play Lafayette out of the Patriot League. Let's just start with your matchup this weekend with this Princeton squad. Kind of diagnose this. What makes this Princeton team? I know there's some good defense. Obviously, they they do a nice job running the football as well. Kind of walk us through what you're seeing this weekend with that matchup. 
So obviously, Bob's race done a great job with Princeton. And the start they got off to, I think, may have been a little bit deceiving. They, they won their first two games by a combined score of 95 to nothing. But they played two pretty weak FCS opponents in Lehigh and Stetson. Now, the last two weeks, they've played Columbia and at Monmouth, another top 25 FCS team. And they won relatively close games. And the Monmouth game was 31-28 Princeton. The Columbia game, it was 24-7 Tigers was the final, but that was a lot closer for a majority of that contest until Princeton pulled away at the end. Look, this is a very good football team. This is a team that many felt would win the league coming into the season. I've looked at them on film, and here's what I see. Um, they have, as always, great wide receivers and guys like Jacob Bermelin and Dylan Classy. They have, for my money, maybe the second-best tailback in the league in Colin Eady. I like Harvard Champlin a little bit better than him. But where I think Princeton might be a notch below where they have been over the past decade or so is at the quarterback position. Cole Smith is solid, but he's not spectacular. And this, these Princeton teams that have been – doing very well over the past decade with, by the way, former with our head coach, Brown coach, James Perry, formerly their offensive coordinator. They've made a living at the quarterback position, yeah. having studs there. In fact, multiple stud quarterbacks. And I think Cole Smith is good, but I don't know if he's great. So that could be the one fly in the ointment for the Tigers. Dartmouth steps out of league, like we mentioned, against the New Hampshire team that has a ton of history, ton of tradition, obviously. The Wildcats almost got James Madison a few weeks ago uh, at their place in Durham. Um, and we're going to talk about Yale-UConn in a second with an FCS versus FBS matchup with the Ivy League here this weekend. But uh, Dartmouth at 4-0. Is this one, I don't know if it's upset watch necessarily because New Hampshire is a good team, but how does this sort of compare and contrast when you see a team like Dartmouth step out of league against a, a team just down the road in the CAA in New Hampshire? So for years, UNH dominated that matchup with Dartmouth to the point where Dartmouth eventually said, no mas, we don't want to play this anymore. Now they've since rekindled the rivalry, which I think is great. I think it's a game that should be played. Dartmouth, to Buddy Tevens' credit, has gotten so much better. So in his first go-around at Dartmouth, they were very good. And then he left, went to Stanford, came back. And when he came back initially, he couldn't get it going again. And they were struggling. And they were having losing season after losing season. He was very close to losing his job before he just miraculously turned it around. Now, they've made a huge commitment to athletics up there in terms of facilities and the admissions process, but this is a blue-collar, lunch-pail type of team. First of all, they are, they've are they got some big guys in the trenches. Their offensive line looks like it could be an NFL offensive line, and they employ a two-quarterback system. Now, Derek Kyler is their starting quarterback and the guy that really throws the football, and he's completed over 70% of his passes. He's thrown seven Seven touchdowns and no interceptions through four games. But then they bring in this guy, Nick Howard, who's also a quarterback, but he runs the football. He's run to 350 yards this season, six touchdowns. He's averaging over seven yards per carry. So they get kind of that two-headed monster at quarterback. When they want to run it, they bring in Howard. When they want to pass it, they have Kyler, and it's worked very well for them because they have an offensive line that can block it up in the run and pass game. I like the nickname to it, the Big Green. I don't know, there's something about it. I don't know why it, why it is. Right. Maybe it belongs in a movie or, or who knows. I, I don't know. But uh, that's a <laughs> that's a fun one. And, and then 
you know, Yale's two and two. We know UConn set up in their background. Holy Cross already got UConn. Um, we actually had Bob Chesney on the uh, the podcast after that went down earlier in the season, and after Holy Cross got Monmouth as well, a team I like out of the Big South. Can Yale inject a little FCS fever into UConn, or is UConn already with uh, you know some bad losses and an FCS loss going to be ready for this? In your opinion. So I think, you know, the coaching change, Randy Edsel resigning, may have injected a little life into that UConn program. But to be honest with you, when the season started, I looked at this game and I said, Yale not only can, they probably will win that game. Wow. And I still think they can win that game this weekend. I really do. You know, Griffin O'Connor, their quarterback, is very good. They have been a little disappointing, to be honest with you, to start the season. I had them as my preseason favorite to win the league. Now, I know a lot of people were stunned when they lost to Holy Cross. I wasn't because I know what a great coach Chesney is. He did it at Assumption. He's doing it at Holy Cross. But then they struggled to beat Cornell. They beat up on a Lehigh team who we talked about earlier is just very much down. And they lost last week to Dartmouth. So I'm not quite sure how to take this Yale football team. I think right now the talent is better than what we've seen in terms of their 2-2 two and two record to start the season. But do not be surprised if they beat the UConn Huskies on Saturday. Yeah, this is great. Great stuff. I've got just kind of a – a unique fascination with the Ivy League. Uh, I love following and uh, hearing from uh, from you and, and others about the history and the uh, the the culture and and uh, game day traditions as well. It's it's so much fun and wanted to to get that out to folks on the podcast here this weekend. Hey Scott, we appreciate you. Have a great call this weekend and uh, look forward to talking with you again down the road. Have a good one. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, big thanks. Scott Cordishy, the Brown University play-by-play man, knows the Ivy League inside and out. Some really good insight, and I uh, wanted to shed some more light on some of the different leagues around the country. Have a fascination for the Ivies. Wish they were in the bracket. Don't hold your breath, as uh, Scott uh, lets us know. Hey, as you know, our show, FCS Fever Podcast, is partnered with DraftKings. And they've got an incredible deal for you this week to celebrate the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs, NHL season, and a busy slate of pro football. New users bet $1 on any Major League Baseball playoff game, NHL, or pro football game and win $100 in free bets if either Major League Baseball team records a hit in baseball, either NHL team scores a goal in hockey, or either football team scores a point in football. That's right. $1 if your team gets one hit, point, or goal You win $100 in free bets. To take advantage of this offer, click the link that is in the podcast description. Make your first deposit. Place a $1 wager on any NFL, MLB, or NHL game. And if either team scores a point in football, either team scores a goal in hockey, or either team uh, is to record a hit in baseball, you receive $100 in free bets instantly. How about that? It's the best offer going. So act now. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call, text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789 21 and older 18 and older in wyoming 
Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. A minimum $5 deposit, minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, a few more games to watch before we say goodbye. Southern Illinois, big win at South Dakota State. They come back home. They play North Dakota. For UND, if they lose this one, I think they're done. I think it's a must-win game for UND. They're two and three. They'd move to two and four, and they have to play at SDSU. I don't think a six and five UND team gets into the bracket. Big game for UND playing on the road at Southern Illinois. In the OVC, it's a one-bid league. UT Martin at Eastern Illinois. Watched a little bit of the Panthers in my game prep this week for my broadcast of NDSU and Illinois State. The Skyhawks here are obviously going to be favored in this game. There's no doubt about that. But a chance for Eastern Illinois to shake it up a bit in the Ohio Valley Conference, which is going to be uh, a one-bid league here this season. Looking forward to seeing what Keon Howard, UT Martin quarterback, uh, can do. Over 1,000 passing yards, eight touchdowns, four interceptions on the season with a 62% completion percentage for UT Martin in the Ohio Valley uh, Conference. Other games I'll be keeping an eye on. Villanova after their win at UAlbany. Uh, the Great Danes are at 0-5, but they've been close also, you've got this Rhode Island bunch at 5-0 and for the first time in 20 years. They head to Johnny United Stadium to take on a Towson team that's 2-3. and That's a Towson team I think could get Rhode Island in this contest. They've got the pieces. They've got uh, the second most graduate students playing on a, a team, on one team in all of FCS college football. Watch out Rhode Island at Towson this weekend. 3 p.m. Central kick, 4 p.m. local uh, out in uh, North Baltimore, north of Baltimore, I should say, uh, the Rhode Island Rams at 5-0. and And then a name, as you talk about, hey, what teams could rise up outside of the obvious ones? How about the Mercer Bears in the uh, the SoCon? Mercer is 4-1. and They're 3-0 and in SoCon play. Their only loss is to some team called Alabama. Who are they? Mercer's four and one. They host a VMI team that's four and two, two and one in the SoCon, who won the league during the springtime. Heads up on Mercer, the Mercer Bears. That's right. Again, we talk about teams to watch that could rise up. Mercer potentially is one of those. If they beat VMI at home, they are five and one, four and zero, oh, and so can play Mercer, a team to watch here if they get a win over VMI this weekend. All right, that's going to do it for us. Another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. My name is Jeff Colhane. Hope you've enjoyed it. Again, you know what to do. Subscribe, like, comment. Let me know uh, where you're uh, listening from and let us know who we should be talking about as well, who some of your favorite teams, favorite players are around division of FCS college football. That's going to do it for me. Enjoy the weekend. Have a great time. We'll talk again Monday and recap a great weekend on the FCS Fever Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.